Good day and welcome to another B2B exclusive. Our guests today are Marshall Koval, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Scott Hicks, VP Corporate Development and Communications at Lumina Gold. Lumina Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the ticker LUM and OTCQX, symbol LMGDF. Good day, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us today on B2B Interviews. Hey, Todd. Thanks for having us. Appreciate the time and interest of your viewers. Gentlemen, I thought you might begin with a brief introduction and overview of the company. Lumina Gold is part of uh, the Lumina Group. It was a group founded by Ross Beatty. Uh, originally, it was Lumina Copper Companies back in uh, sort of 2003-2004, with the view that copper would uh, move from 85 cents up to a couple dollars. It, it went right through that and up to about four dollars. Anyway, we raised about 275 million dollars uh, in market and turned about returned about 1.6 billion to shareholders. And we had several uh, copper projects in mining friendly countries. And basically after we dispositioned all those uh, projects, they became uh, the Casarones mine was one of them. And then uh, Taka Taka is a development project that First Quantum has. We decided to turn our focus with the management team to the gold space. So we entered Ecuador in 2014 and acquired Congrejos, and that was a project discovered by Newmont, which had no uh, resource, reportable resource on it at the time. Through all the drilling work that we did in, in publishing from 2014, publishing a 2020 PEA, we have about 17 million ounces of gold in all categories and about 2.2 billion um, pounds of copper. And basically right now, Congrejos is at the pre-feasibility stage. We just finished a uh, 36,000 meter drilling program in the field. We're doing the engineering work and, and we're advancing the pre-feasibility study, looking at having that published in um, April uh, timeframe uh, in 2023. Scott, you might just wanna run through some of the results of the 2020 uh, PEA, just to give a high level overview here. So where this project sits today, it's a it's a massive project. As Marshall said, it's got both gold and copper. So it's about 80% gold by revenue, 20% copper by revenue. It's a 25-year mine life that incorporates two large-scale pits. Uh, it'll eventually be an 80,000 ton per day project, so, so quite large. It's the 37th largest uh, gold deposit by resource size in the world, and it'll produce just under 400,000 ounces of gold a year on average for those 25 years. And, you know, we expect the cost uh, net of the copper byproduct to be in and around $600 an ounce, which makes it a, a first quartile asset by, by cost uh, per ounce. So, you know, we're excited with the way the project's shaping up so far. And, and we've completed about another 36,000 meters of drilling in the last 12 months to take it towards a, a pre-feasibility study that we expect early next year. Well, the company is certainly on the move now and gaining momentum. Educate us a bit more, if you would, in terms of the infrastructure as well as the political climate within this region as it relates to resource development, production, etc. Um, Congrejos is in El Oro province in Ecuador, and it's got a long history of mining in that province. It's uh, El Oro is the gold, so there's been mining uh, of gold on small and, and medium scale all the way back to uh, the colonial times. 
pre, pre-Spanish actually. And so there is a, a knowledge of, uh, of mining in the area. The infrastructure overall is good. You know, there's an airport close to the project and, and there's good roads, uh, paved roads and, and all that sort of infrastructure. And there's a workforce in the area. So I think basically, if you look at Ecuador, when we entered the country in 2014, it had a real punitive fiscal and regulatory uh, regime, more in line with sort of the oil industry, which had been their primary industry in the country. Fast forward to today, um, the fiscal regime has improved significantly, and it's attracted a lot of um, foreign, foreign investment, direct investment. Two major mines have been built. Uh, the Mirador mine, which is a copper mine, and Fruta del Norte, which produces over 400,000 ounces of gold a year. So, you know, the investment climate on the macro level in Ecuador has improved significantly since we've been there. They've uh, lowered tax rates, royalty rates. And in our direct area in El Oro province, um, you know, we have uh, good support with local communities. Obviously, that's a real key to advancing any sort of project is your social license. And, and that goes on every day. You can't take any of that for granted. But we've, uh, we've done well with uh, the local communities. We provided jobs, education, a lot of uh, help in the communities with, with health care, particularly during the COVID crisis. So if you look at the sort of the local framework that we operate in, we're in a pretty solid position in that area. And then maybe just building on what Marshall's saying, you know, we're in a pretty unique position for a large scale porphyry project. When you look at these things across the Andes, usually it's lacking in something, whether it's, you know, far from port infrastructure, maybe it doesn't have power, uh, maybe it doesn't have good road access or, or labor force, like, like Marshall was saying uh, there, that we, we do have a good labor force around our project. The big one for us is we're, we're 40 kilometers from a deep sea port um, and that port already is geared up to ship copper concentrate which would be our main product from the mine out of it so the other large-scale open pit mine in Ecuador uh, that's called Mirador they're trucking their copper concentrate you know over 300 kilometers across the country to go out of this port that we're 40 kilometers from so that's a huge cost advantage for the project to be able to get the copper concentrate out uh, in, a, in a very low cost fashion. Uh, the other big advantage is the hydropower in Ecuador. So obviously energy is very topical these days, Todd. Uh, a lot of places in the world are experiencing extreme uh, energy price inflation. In Ecuador, uh, we've got hydropower. It's below seven cents a kilowatt hour and it's stayed stable since we did our study in 2020. So Energy is obviously a massive input for for a large scale project like this. And, uh, you know, we have lots of it there available in country. So it's a huge advantage. So the company is certainly well positioned and poised in that regard. Gentlemen, elaborate a bit more in terms of how the company is presently positioned in terms of strategic or joint venture partners. And will the company, in fact, look to M&A activities moving forward in the near to midterm? You know, we don't have any joint venture partners currently, and we don't. We often get asked if there's existing royalties on the project as well. There, there are no existing royalties on the project, so we own 100% of this uh, as it stands today, with with no existing royalties on the project. Um, you know, the group's strategy in the past, Todd, has always been to de-risk these these projects through the many stages and and really solid technical work. So. 
Obviously, that's Marshall's specialty and Leo as well. And they've been with the group since 2003. So they've done this many times. Um, you know, right now we're going towards PFS. And, and that's a pretty, uh, pretty high level of study uh, as far as the amount of work that's gone into it. Um, and, you know, we've been working at this since 2014, plus all the prior drilling on the project. So we think that we're going to be at a point post PFS here where, you know, a lot of the major companies around the world are going to have to take a look at this because it is that scale of projects. And, and there's not a lot of these things out there. Uh, so the group's history really is, you know, looking to sell and, uh, and getting value back to shareholders through, through M&A. So what is the short-term vision for Lumina Gold? Where do you see this company, say, two to three quarters out? Yeah, so basically what we're doing right now is we're continuing to add value, de-risk, um, understand the economics of the project better, uh, and advancing sort of the permitting and interaction with the government. So one of the key things um, when you look out, say, into early next year when the PFS is completed um, you're able to go to the government and negotiate an exploitation protection agreement, which basically sets all your fiscal terms, your royalty rates, your tax rates, uh, duties for imports, uh, you know, repatriation of capital, all that kind of stuff into a framework. And so you negotiate once you have the PFS in hand, which we were looking sort of in the April timeframe or early in the second quarter. And uh, you go and negotiate the term sheet that locks in those things so that you can use them in your feasibility study. And then in parallel with that, um, you can start some of your permitting uh, related to advancing the project. So we're continuing to move the project forward, de-risking it and, and moving it towards, um, you know, production stage, or at least to the, the P, PFS stage or the feasibility stage. Um, and we'll make decisions along the way after we have the PFS, you know, if we continue on with a feasibility study or, or where we go. So that's kind of the, the near-term catalyst that we're looking at. Indeed. So let's change gears now and talk a little bit more about the leadership in place here. What more can you tell us now about this present board and management team at Lumina Gold? So the, uh, you know, the Lumina Group uh, was founded by Ross Beattie and, and Ross is a well-known uh, entrepreneur and, and company builder in the mining sector. I joined him in sort of 2004, early 2004. Um, at the time he had built Pan American Silver. Uh, he had a view to build a copper development company and that was Lumina Copper. And we have uh, board members that have been with the group quite a long time. Uh, Don Shumka is an uh, independent board member, the head of the audit committee. He comes out of Raymond James and strong financing background. Michael Steinman is the CEO of Pan American Silver. He's on the board. Um, we've got uh, Stephen Stowe, who is with LeadCore. Uh, he was the senior guy in LeadCore. Um, Haya Down, who is... Uh, CEO of Osino in uh, Namibia. And, and so we have a strong technical and, and finance uh, capabilities on our board. And, and Lyle Broughton, our corporate counsel, is on the board as well. And then when you kind of shift down to the management team, you know, most of the senior, Scott's the, the newest guy to the, to the group, and he's been with us five years. But most of the senior management team has been together sort of 15 years, some a couple of them at only 10 years. But really strong technically in, in finance and capital markets. 
So gentlemen, briefly in closing, let's recap if you would leave us with a few quick points here. Why should investors consider a long-term position in Lumina Gold? Listen, we know that uh, right now the commodities markets are, are down significantly. If you look at all the developer space, whether it's in Latin America or in, in North America or, or other jurisdictions, uh, our valuations are way down. If you look at any metric on um, Congrejos, if you look at ounces in the ground per cost, we're way down there as well. So I think what it represents right at the moment is, um, you know, we've got a team that's capable of advancing this project and, and moving it forward to a good conclusion. And basically you're, you're close to, uh, I mean, right now we're trading about a hundred uh, million Canadian, which is pretty close to a 52 week low. And a lot of our other uh, junior developers are in the same position. So it gives you a real good uh, entry point in the long term. Um, you know, this team's been together a long time. We have a good success record and we're doing everything we can. We just have our head down and we're advancing and, and de-risking this project and moving it towards development and ultimately at some point production. Yeah, I mean, I think for your viewers, Todd, if they have a view like we do that, you know, the Fed's going to get to an end point here pretty soon with what they can do on interest rates and reach the upper bound and then potentially have to turn around. Um, you know, we think there's going to be some strong performance out of gold. We think obviously on the copper side, it's, you know, mines everywhere are depleting uh, and grades are reducing. So the world's going to need more copper. You know, we're fortunate that it is 20% of our deposit. Um, we think Ecuador has been, you know, continues to be under the radar and have a discount to the rest of the market and, and isn't, you know, continuing to improve its mining culture and uh, is certainly stepping up compared to some of its Latin America, American peers. Um, so we think, you know, that discount will go away over time. Uh, so we think we're, we've got a great asset in a country that's getting better uh, every year. And as Marshall said, it's, it's one of the lowest valuations across the development sector. So um, we think, you know, now's a great time to step in for people. Well, that is certainly a very interesting investment opportunity. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you for joining us on B2B Interviews. Thanks, Todd. Thanks very much. Our guests today have been Marshall Koval, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Scott Hicks, VP Corporate Development and Communications at Lumina Gold. Lumina Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the ticker L-U-M and O-T-C-Q-X, symbol L-M-G-D-F.